Hi guys, Miss Reese here, and today we're going to be reading Chapter 2 of The Boxcar Children, The Mystery on Stage. So Chapter 2 begins on page 12, and it's called Auditions. The day of the auditions was clear and cold. Jessie woke up feeling so nervous she could barely fasten the buttons on her polka dot blouse. Violet came to her rescue. Jessie, it's not like you to be so jumpy. You're going to be fine, Violet assured her sister. Jessie sighed. I hope so. I think I'll feel better once we're there. Alice dropped Suli off at the Aldens just as they were finishing their breakfast. Good luck, Jessie, she called. I wish I could come to the auditions, too, but I told Joe I'd help him paint the porch steps. As they were ready to leave, Mrs. McGregor came out of the kitchen to give Jessie a hug. I'll be rooting for you, she said. Watch barked and thumped his tail on the floor. And as you can see, so will watch. Jessie managed to smile. Break a leg, Jessie, Grandfather called from his armchair as the children headed out the door. Grandfather, what do you mean? Benny gave his grandfather a puzzled look. Don't worry, Benny. Break a leg is just another way of saying good luck. Actors often use that expression. Grandfather waved goodbye. The Community Playhouse Theater was a 15-minute walk from the house. Soon, the children could see the fancy brick building in the distance. A large park encircled the building. The children crossed the lawn in front of the theater. They passed big flower beds filled with orange and yellow chrysanthemums, now a little faded from the cold. Stone benches were placed underneath tall oak trees. It's pretty here, Suli said, looking all around her. Suli had never seen the community park and theater before. She lived with Joe and Alice in a town not far from Greenfield. Well, we're here. Violet gazed up at the large building. Henry opened the heavy oak door and the children entered the big lobby. People clutching scripts milled around the room. A woman was seated behind a long table. She had several long sheets of paper on the table in front of her. Please sign here for the part you're trying out for, she told the children. The auditions will begin in half an hour in room 222 upstairs. Hey, look, Benny nudged Violet. Why is that man in a costume already? Indeed, a man with a tin helmet covering his head headed up the stairs. He wore a metal barrel around his body and silver tights on his legs and arms. I don't know, Violet answered, but that's a wonderful costume for the Tin Man. Maybe he feels it will bring him luck. Jesse passed the sign-up sheets to Henry, who wrote his name under scenery and lighting. Violet signed up to help with costumes. Suli added her name under scenery and passed the sheet to Benny. Benny was so busy looking at the Tin Man's costume, he didn't pay attention to the sign-up sheet or to where he was going. Ouch, that's my foot you just stepped on, a girl cried out angrily. The girl had wavy auburn hair pulled out of her face with a shiny gold beret. She wore long dangly earrings, a pink silk skirt, and a very strong lemon-scented perfume. She looked about Jessie's age. Before Benny could apologize, she hurried away. Mother, that little boy just stepped on my foot. The girl spoke loudly to an older woman with short blonde hair. Thanks to him, one of my new shoes is all dirty. She held out her leg to show a smudged pink suede shoe. Several people turned around to look. 
Benny felt his face turn bright red. Oh, Melody, I can buy you new shoes in the same color, the girl's mother answered. She glared in Benny's direction, then took Melody by the arm and went up the stairs. I tried to say I was sorry, Benny whispered to Jessie, but she walked away too fast. Don't worry, Benny, Jessie patted her brother on the arm. I'm sure you didn't mean to step on her foot. The Aldens and Sue Lee followed the others up the winding staircase. They walked down the hall to the big room with the floor-to-ceiling windows. A thin man with blonde hair sat in the center of a circle. People holding scripts were seated around him, reading their lines. Look, they've already started, Benny whispered loudly to Jessie. No, they haven't. They're just practicing, said a tall, brown-haired woman, who introduced herself as Nancy Wu, the stage manager. She held all the sign-up sheets in one hand. Would those trying out for Dorothy, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion please come around this table, she announced. Why are they auditioning so many parts at once, Violet asked her sister. Before Jessie could answer, the blonde man stood up and introduced himself as James Maynard, the director. Violet noticed he had big dark circles under his eyes. I'm asking all of those interested in lead roles to audition together, the director was saying, because I want you to see how well you all read with one another. You all know, of course, you may not get the part you try out for. You can't all be Dorothy, he said, looking at the ten girls clustered around him. But if you read well, I may assign you to another part. I don't think I'll accept any other part but Dorothy, Melody whispered loudly to her mother. She adjusted her gold beret as she walked with her mother to the director's table. You know, Mr. Maynard, my daughter has been receiving private voice lessons for the past five years, Melody's mother explained. She's also been taking ballet for her posture. James Maynard ran his hand through his hair and nodded politely. Please call me Jim was all he said. Jessie seated herself at the long table near Melody. She noticed Sarah coming down the, toward them and waved, but Sarah seemed lost in thought. She didn't even notice Jessie until she sat down. Oh, hello. You're the one I met outside the bookstore, Sarah said. She even smiled a little. The man in the tin costume joined them along with several other male and female actors who were from all the town. I didn't know there were so many actors in Greenfield, Henry said to Violet as he sat down to watch the auditions. The Aldens and Suli made sure they sat very close to the big table so they could hear everything Jessie said. I recognize some of them, Violet answered. Isn't that woman over there, Miss Adams, the librarian? Violet pointed to a tall woman with masses of curly blonde hair who was auditioning for the part of the good witch, Glinda. Henry nodded. Yes, you're right. He sounded a little surprised. Since so many girls were trying out for Dorothy, the director decided to audition the only the Dorothys first. He had the other actors stand by and watch, along with friends and relatives. To play the role of Dorothy, you'll have to do some dancing and singing. Jim was saying, I hope you came prepared with a song to sing for us. The girls all nodded. The director then picked a scene from the play and asked each girl in turn to read that scene with him. 
Two girls Jessie didn't know read first and second. Jessie didn't think they did well at all. The director must not have thought so either, because he didn't even ask them to sing. When it was Melody's turn, she stood up. She didn't even use the script. She knew all the, her lines from memory. She moved her arms, her feet, her whole body. She sang with a beautiful, well-trained voice, and when she finished, some people clapped. Melody's mother, loudest of all. Jim smiled a little absent-mindedly and motioned to the girl next to the next girl to continue the scene. Jessie took a deep breath when the director pointed to her. She read the part where Dorothy first meets the scarecrow on the yellow brick road. She pretended she was in the strange world of Oz, holding her dog Toto in her arms. James Maynard sat in front of Jessie reading the scarecrow's lines. When he moved his hands to brush the hair from his face, Jessie imagined him adjusting his ragged, pointy black hat, just like in the movie. When she finished, her family applauded and cheered. Some others joined in. Jim chuckled. Thank you, Jessie. That was well done. Jessie smiled and leaned back in her chair to listen to the others. When Sarah began to read, the room became very still. After a few lines, Jessie sat still, spellbound. Sarah made Jessie see Dorothy as she really was, a little girl stranded in a strange land with only her dog for company. For the first time that morning, no one could be heard whispering or rustling scripts. When Sarah sang her song, Jessie noticed Melody pouting, but Jim Maynard's eyes shone. For once, he sat perfectly still. For a few seconds after Sarah stopped, there was silence, Then everyone began to applaud. Some even stood up and cheered. Sarah looked very pleased until she glanced at her watch. Oh no, I didn't realize how late it was getting, she muttered softly. Oh, do you have to go? Melody asked, looking pleased. Sarah turned a little pale. No, not right away, she answered. Good, Jim said. He looked at Sarah closely. I'd like you to stay to read with the other actors. I also want you to do some simple dance steps on stage this afternoon. Sarah nodded. Melody turned her back on Sarah and began whispering to the girl in the white frilly shirt sitting next to her. All right, let's continue, Jim said briskly. Jessie barely listened to the other girl's tryout. No one could comp compete with Sarah for the lead, that was sure. I don't see why we have to sit here while you audition all these girls, an angry man interrupted Jessie's daydreaming. It's a waste of our time. The auditions for Dorothy are almost finished. Jim sighed and glanced at his clipboard. He turned in his chair to face the angry man. We'll begin the auditions for these other major roles as soon as some of these girls take a short break, Mr. White. To Jessie's surprise, Jim had come to had come back after the break to read with the adults. He invited Sarah, Melody, and two other girls to come too. Jessie's family crowded around her. Jessie, you are great, Henry said proudly. We're staying for the rest of the auditions, Benny said. We want to be here when you get the part. They won't announce the results until late tomorrow afternoon, Jessie said, laughing. Mr. Maynard has a lot of people to cast, but I'm glad you're staying. I should be finished soon. She hurried back to the table. 
The man in the tin costume sat next to Jesse. He introduced himself as Harold Carlton. Of all the adult actors, he was the best by far. The director must have thought so too, because any time Harold read, Jim leaned back in his chair and smiled. The impatient man, Richard White, was reading the lines for the wizard. He stopped for a moment to mop his forehead with a handkerchief. It's too warm in here, he complained. Can't you tell them to turn down the heat? The janitors aren't here today. We can leave a note for them, Jim answered wearily. You must be awfully hot with that Tim helmet on all the time, Richard continued, turning to Harold. Why don't you take it off? That's not in the script, Harold joked. Jim shrugged. A good actor performs even when he's uncomfortable. I see, Richard said irritably, but he continued reading in his loud, booming voice. I must admit, he's got the right voice for the wizard, Sarah whispered softly to Jesse. It's too bad about his personality. Jesse giggled. Sarah smiled back at her, but Jesse noticed she kept looking at her watch. As time passed, Sarah grew more and more fidgety. When they were in the middle of the scene with the Wicked Witch of the West, the stage manager interrupted. Excuse me, Jim, but there's a phone call for you. Jim frowned. Who is it? He asked. A man, the stage manager answered. He wouldn't give his name, but he said it was important. Jim pressed his hands together and sighed. I'll be right back, he told the actors. But when he was gone more than 15 minutes, when he returned, he looked pale. That was crank call, he said slowly. Whoever it was told me not to direct this show. If I did, there would be trouble. Jim nervously twirled the pencil in his hand. The actors all looked up from their scripts. Some seemed puzzled, others scared. Oh, it's probably just a dumb joke, Jim said, but the other could tell he was worried. Anyway, let's continue, shall we? He sat down in his big chair and took up the script. Sarah, after another look at her watch and up at the clock in the back of the room, stood up. I really have to go now. May I be excused? Well, yes, if you must, Jim told her, but I don't like performers to leave in the middle of a scene. The auditions for the lead role should be over in another hour, and did, I did want to see if you can dance. Sarah gasped and turned pale. Oh, I can't stay any longer today. Really, I can't. Why not? Melody asked loudly. Sarah didn't answer. Instead, she bit her lip and looked at the floor. She looked as if she was about to burst into tears. All right, Jim said gently, giving Sarah a puzzled look. You can go. We may call you back tomorrow. Sarah nodded, grabbed her purple coat, and rushed out the door. Everyone else at the table around looked at one another. I think it's rude she didn't even wait for the others to finish, Melody whispered loudly. The girl in the frilly white shirt nodded. Jim sighed. All right, let's continue, shall we? Melody, why don't you read Dorothy's lines? Melody tossed her head and began reading. Jessie tried to concentrate on her lines as she read the part of Cowardly Lion, but she couldn't stop thinking about Sarah. Though Jessie did not want to admit it, she wondered whether Sarah had anything to do with the mysterious phone call. And that's the end of chapter two, which ends on page 27. 
and I hope you all have a fantastic day, and happy reading. Bye!